Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome. Today, uh, I want to continue. We began a couple weeks ago a series talking about the Holy Spirit. And to begin with, I would like to compare Old Testament leading and guiding of the Spirit to New Testament leading and guiding of the Spirit. You know, the Old Testament really is the old way of righteousness. The New Testament is the new way to be made righteous with God. And so much has changed between the old and the new. So in Numbers chapter 9, in verse 17, it says, Whenever the cloud... Now, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God began to lead them with a cloud. At day it was a cloud, and at night it was a cloud of fire. And that was the way that they would be led. And it says, the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle. After that, the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of the Lord would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. And so it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the commandment of the Lord, they would remain in camp. And according to the commandment of the Lord, they would journey. And so it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey whether by day or night, whether the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Whether it was two days, a month, or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. And at the commandment of the Lord, they remained in camp. And at the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. Now, it would just be so easy if there was something that you could see, like a cloud, and when the cloud moved in a certain direction, you would follow that cloud, and that's where you were supposed to go. When it stopped, you stayed. There was something that they could physically see. But in the New Testament, it's very different because it says we walk by faith and not by sight. And in Romans 8, I believe it's verse 16, it says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So let me give you a couple Old, Old Testament examples that sometimes we try to use in the New Testament. But uh, in Judges chapter 6, there's a man named Gideon. And the Midianites, he's an Israelite, the Midianites are oppressing the Israelites. They come every year and they devastate the land. And the angel of the Lord comes and says to Gideon, I'm going to use you to deliver my people Israel. Well, Gideon wasn't real sure about it. And so the Lord's, so Gideon said to the Lord, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on the fleece only, and it's dry all on the ground, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. So he puts out the fleece in the morning. My goodness, the fleece is sopping wet. He wrenches out a whole bowl full of water out of the fleece, but the ground is completely dry. 
Then he said to God, hey, please don't be angry, but let me speak just once more. Let me test a prey just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece and all the ground, let there be dew. And God said so that night and it was dry on the fleece and there was dew on all the ground. And he looked at that and he went, oh, that's good. But you know what? He still wasn't sure. He still wasn't sure. And, and God literally had to uh, have someone have a dream and have him hear. And in fact, it's the enemy that has the dream and he interprets the dream. And then he says, yep, God's with me, I think. I'm pretty sure. See, because no, no matter what you see in the natural, it does not convince you. So many of us have thought, well, if I could just see one miracle, if I, could, God, if I could just know for sure that there was a miracle, well, then that would be enough. You know, in, in uh, the book of 1 Kings in chapter 17, God tells the prophet Elijah, go to the king Ahab and say there's going to be no rain or no dew these years until I say so. Rain and dew stop. And eventually the prophet ends up in the town of Seraphath. And there's a widow there. And God said, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. And so as he gets there, he looks and sure enough, there's a widow and she's out gathering a few sticks. And he said, hey, would you please bring me a, a little bit of water? And as she going, go, is going, he says, and, and by the way, and, and make a little cake for me too. And she says, as the Lord your God lives, I only have a handful of flour and a little bit of oil in the bottom of a jar. And I'm going to go, I'm going to make a cake for my son and for me. We're going to eat them and we're going to die. And he says, go just like you said, but make me a little cake first. And then that cruise of oil will keep on pouring and your flour will not run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she goes and every day, 365 days a year, she puts her hand in and there's more flour. And every time she pours that cruise, it just refills. How many of you think this is a continuous miracle? This is not a one-time thing. This is a continuous miracle. How many of you saw a continuous miracle? You'd be like, okay, that's it. That's it. All right. Now her son dies. This is not good. Her son dies. And so she, she brings her son to the prophet. And says, look, look, look at my son is dead. And the prophet, he goes to God and he says, God, look what's happened to this lady. So he brings him up into his bedroom. He prays for him and he raises him from the dead. First time in human history, someone is raised from the dead. And he brings that son to the woman. And this is what she says. Now I know. Now, by this, I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth and it is true. Every day she has a miracle, but it's not enough. And he raises his, the son from the dead and she says, now I know, but listen, until tomorrow. Until tomorrow. Because no matter what happens, your natural mind will tell you it's not real. It's not what you think. Literally. If we brought a casket in here and somebody's been dead for three days, 
They're in bond. And we all pray. And they get up out of the casket. Your mind will tell you they were not really dead. It will. It will. The Bible says that the natural mind is at enmity with God. It will always tell you, make some excuse, it wasn't really what you thought it was. So he put out fleeces. And I know people do that today. And that was Old Testament. But today, the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And people say this, something like this, well, God, if you want me to give that money, let three kangaroos come through the sanctuary. <laughs> or say something like this, God, if you really want me to do that, don't let it rain for four days. Miracle. Yeah. It would be a miracle. You know. But we put, out, we put out some natural thing. And realize this, that the devil moves in the natural realm. And say, so yeah, but it's supernatural. Yeah, but everything that is supernatural is not from God. Now, speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said this in John 15 and verse 26. But when the comforter, the counselor, the helper. Now, he is your helper. In, in my mind, when I prepared this sermon, we had the big black piano up here, but it disappeared. So, so what it's saying, let's suppose there's a piano here. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit is going to move the piano. It says he will help you. One translation says the one who comes alongside and helps. So if you do nothing, what does the Holy Spirit have to work with? Nothing. Because there's nothing for him to help you with. But he is the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby. When he comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes, proceeds from the Father, he himself will testify regarding me. So Jesus is saying what the Holy Spirit is going to do, he's going to talk to you about who? About Jesus. He's going to testify regarding Jesus. Another place it says, he will glorify me. In John 17, excuse me, 16, verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is one of those verses. How, how can I say? Let me let, do it like this. How many of you believe what the Bible says in Isaiah 6, verse 5? Somebody says, what does it say? Like, who cares? Because it really doesn't matter, does it? If it's in the Bible, we're going to believe it. Okay. I don't even know what that verse says, by the way. Just <laughs> but I believe it. I believe it from cover to cover in the maps part two. We just believe it. So, so this verse, I believe it. But when I read it, it's just like, I can't figure it out. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So the disciples have been with Jesus for three and a half years, 24-7, 365. 
They've seen miracles of healing and deliverance. They've seen food multiplied. They've seen demons cast out. They've seen Jesus speak to storms and the, the, the storm is calm. They, they've seen Jesus walking on the water. They've seen all kinds of different things. And now Jesus said, it's better for you for me to be gone. And I'm sure their minds are like, how could that be? But Jesus said he's going to send another comforter. And it literally means one exactly the same. You see, a lot of people think the Holy Spirit is weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. He's not weird. If you want to know what he's like, you can look at Jesus. So he tells us it's to our advantage. We are better off having the Holy Spirit than we would be to have Jesus physically present. It says in the eighth verse, and when he has come, he will convince the world of its sin, of the availability of God's goodness and of deliverance from judgment or how to escape from coming judgment. So what does the world do? Excuse me, the Holy Spirit does. He convinces the world of sin that they miss the mark, they need God, that God's goodness, that God's righteousness, other translations say, is available. God's righteousness is available to you and you can escape coming judgment. I mean, no, that's good news. And the gospel is good news. The, 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 the gospel is not, you're going to hell. The gospel is, you don't need to go. You don't need to go. See, God's goodness, God's righteousness is available to you. Verse 10 says, because the, of righteousness, because I go to my father and you will see me no more. The, 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 the devil is called in the Bible, the accuser of the brethren. That's one of his names, the accuser of the brethren. Now, what the Holy Spirit does is he is not fixated on your past and on your failures. He's fixated on the fact that he that knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. The devil is going to tell you about your faults, your sins, your shortcomings, your past, but the Holy Spirit is going to talk to you about how Jesus paid for your sin and made you right with God. That's good news. He says of, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. See, Jesus defeated the devil at the cross. He didn't do it to prove that he could. He did it as your and my substitute. And the Bible tells us that he literally stripped him of all his authority, that he made a public spectacle of him, triumphing over him in it. Some of your translations say in a triumphal parade. You know, if, if you were a Roman at the time this was written, if there was an absolute victory over the enemy, that the enemy could in no way recover, the, the opposing general had been captured, there were just like six or seven different criteria. They would have in Rome 
a triumphal procession. And the general and his army would literally go through the streets of Rome with the captives in chains, stripped of their authority, of their weapons, of their ability. And it was called a triumphal procession. And the Bible says that Jesus took the devil and demon power through downtown eternity in chains, stripped of their authority, and made a public spectacle of them. Now, when Cleopatra and uh, Mark Anthony lost the, the battle and Cleopatra was captured, they were taking her back to Rome to be a part of a triumphal procession. They were going to strip her and walk her down the streets, and she killed herself. She killed herself. She said, I don't want to go through that. We made a public spectacle. But that's what Jesus did. He defeated the devil and got him to a place where there is no chance for him to recover. That's good news. However, when he, verse 13, when he, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The force be with you. No. No, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's a he is a he. It's not it. It's he. And Jesus is, is letting, like the Bible tells us you can grieve the Holy Spirit. He has a personality. You can fellowship with the Holy Spirit. How many of you are on a diet right now? Trying to get in that swimsuit. <laughs> All right, I'm on diet too. So, so this morning, four o'clock, I get up, put the light on my bike, front, back, get on my bicycle, going out there doing my 19 miles on my mountain bike. And one of the first things I said was, Holy Spirit, let's go bike riding and let's talk. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy What a great bike ride. Holy Spirit talking, meditating with the Holy Spirit. It's great. We, we're we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is the third person. I say person. Person. Not, not a force. He is the person of the Trinity. You can grieve him. You can make him happy. You can have fellowship with him. It says he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. I've had on several occasions where I have dreamed on Saturday night. And I was in the pulpit preaching. And I'm listening to my own sermon. Get up, write it down, and come preach it. They're always the best. <laughs> you know, he can speak to you in a dream. We were living, Jeannie and I were living in Mexico. We were living in an Indian village with the Otomi Indians. And uh, we, 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 we were going to stay there the rest of our lives. We were happy, 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 happy. We're, we're looking, we're, we're looking at a little block house that we were going to buy and we're going to live there the rest of our lives. And, and I'm walking down the cobblestone street in front of our house, just walking and praying. And the Holy Spirit said, no, this wasn't audible, but the Holy Spirit said, it's time for you to leave. You're going to go to Guadalajara because they're going to ask you to teach in a Bible school. And, and honestly, I, I, that was the farthest thing from my mind. 
I thought, oh my, that's a good idea. How many ever like some of God's ideas? <laughs> you know, because where we're at, there's so much tradition and we can get young people before they get all that tradition. Sure enough, within 30 days, they've asked us to come to Guadalajara. I didn't even need to pray about it. I already knew what we were supposed to do. Um, several years ago, about 20 years ago, actually, I was up in Traverse City with a, a guy from our church here who was a friend. We were out on a lake and uh, fishing, and, and he pointed to a certain cottage up there. He said, I'm going to buy that cottage. He said, uh, I, I just, it, it's this, it's that, it's just really nice. It sits up on the bluff. It's got the great view of the lake, and da 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 and, 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 and I remember, I was sitting there thinking, I wouldn't want that cottage. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to own that cottage. And I said, but I don't want it. He says, you're going to own it. I thought, That's weird. He didn't own it. And I don't want it. I'm surely not going to buy it. I don't know if it's two and a half years later, whatever it is. Uh, they show up at her, at her house. And they had bought it land contract. And uh, they were losing it. I think they had six days or something like that left. And it was getting repossessed. And they had put down a good amount of equity, and they're going to lose their equity. And uh, they, said, they, they said to Jeannie and I, they said, uh, would you help us, and would you just step in and buy this thing? And I remembered sitting in that boat when the Holy Spirit had said, you're going to own that cottage. And I said, okay. <laughs> we, didn't even go, we didn't even go look at it. We just knew. Just knew. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. Show you things in your life. Uh, I, I could tell you story after story. Jesus said, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and will declare it to you. Now, here's what the Holy Spirit does. He glorifies Jesus. He lifts up Jesus. Not a person, not a group. He lifts up Jesus. In Acts 20, in verse 30, it says, Also from among your own selves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, drawing disciples after themselves. After themselves. But what the Holy Spirit does, he doesn't lift up a person. He doesn't lift up a group of people or a denomination. He constantly is lifting up Jesus. Years ago, we had a youth pastor here, Leon DeHaan, still lives in West Michigan. Later went to be a missionary in, in Russia. And before Leon came on staff here, he got involved with a, a group here in, in West Michigan. And uh, this group believed that they were the only group. Uh, I know there may be some denominations like that. They're really going to have to like take and curtain off part of heaven for them, you know, because they'd be surprised if anybody else is there. In fact, this group was, was so, they, they felt like they were the only ones that had the truth. In fact, they, they told, told Leon, if you leave, you'll probably be in an accident and be killed. Fear and manipulation. But what they were doing, they were saying, our group is the only group. And if you're not with our group and our leader, you're going to miss it. Listen, the Holy Spirit never does that. He's constantly lifting up Jesus, lifting up Jesus. The Mormons tell you, yeah, you know, the, the Bible, but then we've got Joseph Smith. 
He's the man, and you got to believe in Joseph Smith. Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, it was Charles Russell. He, he's the teacher, and he's got the revelation. If it's not his stuff, it's just not good, and you can only get stuff from him. Lifting up a person, that is not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is constantly lifting up Jesus. In, in John 12, Jesus uh, comes down the Mount of Olives on the donkey. The people come out. They've got their, their palm branches, and they're waving their palm branches. Remember this? They're shouting, Hosanna, Yashana, Yashana. They're shouting. And then the Bible says, Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. Listen, then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said, some th some, that was thunder. And some others said, no, an angel said something to him. And Jesus said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your benefit. So literally, God spoke from heaven and people said, hey, I think it thundered. And they were supposed to hear it. It was for them, but they did not hear it. Let me say this. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we obey the Holy Spirit, we can hear his voice more and more clearly. I, I had just been saved probably three months, maybe even a little bit less. And uh, I was reading my Bible and just, just praying. And I had this thought. Now, I got saved when I was 20 years old. I had been in church, but I, I wasn't a Christian. But when I was like 10 or 12, I had gone to downtown Granville. How many of you know where the Wild Roast is now, the coffee shop? Right across the street, there used to be Pro's Five and Dime. You got dollar stores now. That's inflation. It used to be Five and Ten. All right. And, and I had gone into Pro's Five and Dime, and I had stolen. I'm telling you this because my mother's not here. She's in heaven, so she can't hear me. I had stolen a little matchbox car, a couple of darts, and a little bitty pocket knife. That was when I was like 12 or 10 or something. And now I'm 20, and I just got saved. But when I pray, I just get this thought that I should go see Mr. Prose and tell him what I did and pay him for the stuff. And I thought, no. No, 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 no. What if he calls the police and turns me in and I get a police record or who knows what's going to happen? No, 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 no. But I just kept on having this, this thought just kept coming up, you know, go to Mr. Prose, go to Mr. Prose. So I got in my car, drove down, parked behind Prose Five and Dime. And I remember clear as bell and I prayed and I said, oh God, do not let Mr. Prose be there. How many of you know there are some prayers God is just not going to answer? So I walk in, and there's a lady, a cash register there, and a candy counter, and, and I say to her, is, is Mr. Prose here? And she says, yes, he's right up that aisle. I, I mean, my heart just sunk. And I went up there, and, and, I, and I said, Mr. Prose, you don't know me. My name is Dwayne, and 
many years ago when I was a kid, I came in your store and I stole a knife and a matchbox car and some darts. And, and I don't remember if I had $40 or $60, but whatever it was, I had my money. And I said, this will pay for it with interest. And I tried to give it to him and he wouldn't take it. And he just kind of looked at me and then he said, young man, did you just become a Christian? Did you just get saved? And he said to me, he said, uh, you're not the first young person who's come in here <laughs> to pay me for stuff that they stole. And, and he probably talked to me for 10 minutes just about being a Christian. And then he, he took that money and he put it, forced it in my hand. And he says, you know, give this at your church, you know, on, on Sunday. You know, and, and I walked out of there and I really didn't. I was just like, Whew. you know, that's it. Well, it's probably six weeks later that a friend says, hey, I'm going to go to a Bible college in Dallas. And I think maybe you could come with me. And I was attending Calvin College. And uh, my parents loved the fact I was, I was there. And so I said to them, you know, I think I'd, I'd like to go to this other school. And they said, oh, no. No, you should stay at Calvin. You need to finish Calvin. And then if you want to do something, you go to seminary there. But you just need to stay where you are. But I didn't want to go do that. I didn't want to, you know, I just wanted to study the Bible. And so I'm, I'm confused because I really want to go study the Bible. But I want to honor my parents. And my parents want me to stay. So I, like, I just don't know what to do. And the more I thought about it, the more confused I got. Has anybody here ever been confused? You want to do the right thing? He's don't know what the right thing is. So I got down on my bed, on my knees, and I just, I, this was not a long prayer time. I just said, God, I am so confused. And I do not know what to do. My parents want me to stay at Calvin College, but I really want to go to Dallas, and I just want to study the Bible. I don't want to study economics and sociology and philosophy. I want the Bible. God, if you will show me what to do, whatever it is, I'll do it. I don't know what would have happened if you had been there, what you would have heard but just like you're hearing me right now, I heard a voice. And that voice said, get up, go to Dallas. Well, I knew exactly what that was, what that meant. And, and I, I literally jumped up and checked out the house. Like, there was nobody in the house. I got out of my house and I went, God is in my house. Now, you may not have heard anything, but to me, it was that clear. You know, it says in the, in the book of 1 Samuel, it, it says that there was no open vision in those days. And the word of the Lord was rare. And Samuel knew not the Lord by the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord. How many have ever read in the Old Testament, and the word of the Lord came to them saying? And then Samuel is laying down. And he hears somebody say, Samuel, Samuel. And he runs to Eli. And Eli says, I didn't call you. And he lays back down and he hears a voice. And it says, Samuel, Samuel. And he runs back to Eli. And Eli says, I didn't call you. But if you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, because your servant's listening. And he went back and the voice said, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. And God began to speak to him. You see, it's not often, but it can happen. It can happen.
So, end up in Dallas. A few months later, and I'm just like, God, that was cool. You could do that some more. And uh, the Lord said to me, if you had not obeyed me when I told you to go and see Mr. Prose, you would not have heard me when I spoke to you about Dallas. Now, in Hebrews chapter 5, let me just close with this. Hebrews 5. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who have, or by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Notice that. By reason of use. By reason of use. Listen, every time the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you listen to the Holy Spirit, it gets easier to hear his voice the next time. But every time the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you don't listen, it gets harder. In fact, the Bible says that your conscience becomes seared. It becomes seared. You get to the point where you don't hear it. You know, if, if you were seared with an iron, it would heal, but you'd touch it and you couldn't feel it. And that's what can happen when we don't obey the Holy Spirit. But when we obey, his voice becomes clearer and clearer and clearer in our lives. So would you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.